Back again, another Wednesday night, flipping mats, waiting flats podcast here at Fish Tackle Marine, San Antonio, Texas. This is Josh, Joe, what's happening? Amazing right now. Amazing. <laughs> hey, you're not at work. That's always right, amazing. Shit. Talk. Come on. <laughs> Real talk. <laughs> Real talk. You're not working. Well, we got a special guest for y'all tonight. We, a couple of weeks ago, touched a little bit on the overtaking of kayak and bass fishing. And it's not an overtaking in a bad way, but just how popular it has gotten. And we are fortunate to have Dustin Hicks on the show tonight. He is uh, pretty much one of the hot hands here in the San Antonio, Austin local area. Wins a lot, catches a lot of fish. Probably has forgotten more about kayaks or anything than I ever knew about him. So we got the man here so we can get firsthand of what's happening in the kayak world. Dustin, thank you for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. Um, it's a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I've been wanting to. Well, I did. Uh, I did Jenna's podcast on the last podcast I had. Okay, and, and Jenna is his wife. Oh, okay. And so uh, it's a family affair. Oh, uh, top to bottom. Nice, nice. I know. In off air, you were just talking about how your what son is going right now to go buy a boat. Yes, sir. Uh, Jeez, sixteen years old, going to buy his first boat. As long as he's paying for it. Yes. <laughs> That's what my dad would tell me. I don't care what you buy as long as I ain't paying for it. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, I, I don't even know. I remember, I, I don't even know how we linked up and did it. I think I just reached out. We fished a tournament on Bass Drop, I think. Is that what it was? I think so. The ty- the Texas Kayak Basker, right? Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. And then shortly after that, she was on your podcast. Yeah. But whole family fishes, man. Uh, swim baits. I mean, that's how it kind of kind of took me, you know, because I, I was into it at the time really big. And that's when I started looking at it. And, and whole family, dude, top to bottom, like you said. Nice. We spend a lot of money on fishing. Hey, <laughs> we spend a lot of money, too. So we understand that pain. So, Dustin, why don't you fill us in on a little backstory? Like, um, you know, when did you start fishing? What made you choose a kayak over regular boat fishing? Or, you know, how, how did all that come about? So I've, I've been fishing my whole life. Um, I started fishing kayaks probably 18, 19 years old, years ago. And I fished the very first kayak tournament when my oldest son, he's 18 now, he's like two. And from then on, I was like, man, this is nice. Um, it's a lot cheaper to take my kayak than my boat. I've yeah. Got, I've got bass boats at home too. Okay. And so you're, you're equal opportunity. Yes. <laughs> the, the pool is the drug for me. <laughs> the reason I fish kayaks is, uh, if I'm going with my family and they want to fish over there and I want to fish over here, they can go, I can fish where I want to. They can fish where they want to. It's individual and it's a lot, it's a lot cheaper for me to take two kayaks and one boat every time i hook up to my boat it's a hundred dollars gone yeah exactly and with kayaks all i have to do is pay for gas in in the truck and that kind of makes sense because i could see from a family atmosphere um i don't have any kids but i can imagine like if y'all all all decided to go to i don't know let's say y'all decided to go to canyon lake right and you were down there and you just wanted to take a break for a while, but the two boys still wanted to fish. Well, they can still paddle out there in front, and you don't have to 
well, hold on, I'll take you in the big boat. We'll go. So it's absolutely it's, everybody kind of has their independence. Yes, very much so. So that's that's cool. I, I actually fish better out of my kayak than I do out of my boat. Uh, there was a time when I went to Canyon for one of the Lunker Hunters tournaments, and I burned a whole tank of fuel, caught one fish, and I go out the next weekend with my kayak and catch 10 fish because I'm like, oh, they're not biting here. Let me zoom across the lake and see what's over there. Yeah, I'm going to run a mile over here, a mile mm-hmm. over there. And I fish, like if I fish uh, out of the kayak, I'm breaking down the entire cove, not leaving a log unturned, patch of grass. I'm, I'm casting it at all. So it kind of, you feel like it kind of makes you dial in a little more. Absolutely. Well, that makes sense. I, I like that. Um, I've never been in a kayak as far as bass fishing. I mean, I've paddled around and won it. Garner State Park and a couple other places, but you know, I can't get over just on social media how like because I follow a few of the kayak people on social media. Um, you mentioned your wife is a big kayak fisherman. I follow that uh, Christine Fisher. Yes, and I know she does a lot of the you know she's big into the kayak and stuff. But like some of the videos she posts, she's standing up in that kayak. I can barely stand up on flat ground. I couldn't imagine standing up on a kayak. The way they flip under bushes and all that stuff, I mean. It's like anything else. You can go and buy a Kia or you can go and buy a Mercedes. So so the boat is really what allows y'all to do that oh, stuff. absolutely. The, ki- the, the kind of kayak absolutely. that y'all buy. Is there a specific kind of kayak that you run or you like to run? So I have six kayaks at the house, three different brands. Um, I like the Hobie and the old town i've been in jackson i've been in pretty much every brand that's out there Um, and i found that the old town predator and the hobie fit my style i can stand up in them i i have an ix3 on the front remote control around my neck and it's basically standing on the front deck of a boat the whole time that's that's pretty legit and it's cheaper though well yeah Yeah, like once you get over right. the initial purchase of the kayak, it's cheaper. We have enough that I could have bought a brand new Skeeter at this point, but <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. No, that makes sense because, like, you and I were talking a little bit off air, but and I would mentioned um, one of my good buddies in high school, his younger brother lives over in the Galveston, Kima area. And I've mentioned him on the podcast before, but that's what he is, is he's a kayak guide. And I remember when he first started kayak fishing, I'd see him at Medina Lake with his little Toyota Corolla or Camry or something, and he had a little trailer behind it, and he'd load up his two kayaks, and and like you said, he'd pull right down to the end of the ramp, launch his boat, go park, and I'm sitting here thinking, man, he spent like 12 bucks to get out here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I drive a Camry, and I'll, I will pull my kayak with my Camry, and it cost me $45 to fill it up from empty, and my wife's truck's like 120 So Now – the trailer makes the difference, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause like we just, it's funny we're having you on the podcast. Cause I literally just watched a video that that Christine Fisher girl put out. And <clears throat> like I said, I don't know anything about kayak fishing. This is just stuff that I've seen, but she literally just posted a video last week about how since she, she has a truck, but since she got that trailer, she can load up her kayak and go to another ramp in like less than two minutes. So I have, quite a few kayak trailers and we have an enclosed trailer that's dedicated for the kayaks. That's all we use it for. 
if we're in an enclosed trailer and truck, we can load up every kayak in less than five minutes on the ramp. And we don't strap anything down. We throw it in the trailer. Because it's enclosed, so you don't have to worry about life jackets blowing out. Exactly. And it gets me in trouble sometimes whenever I don't take the enclosed trailer and I start going down the road. I'm like, oh, I got to unload the kayak. But it's amazing. We sleep in it if we are fishing a tournament. We'll drive to the ramp the night before. We'll sleep in the trailer. Uh, We have bunks in there if we need to. And it's enclosed with AC and stuff? Yes, sir. Okay. Damn, Okay, I yeah, like that. It's legit. <laughs> like a car hauler. Right. Instead of a race car, we got kayaks in here. Yeah. It, uh, it has Hobie on the side. I, I bought it from a Hobie team member uh, three years ago, two so years ago. it was kind of already set up. He knew what he was doing with it. He knew what he was doing with it, and then his plans changed, and it sat in his yard for a while, and I asked him about it one day at a tournament, and he's like, come get it. Mm-hmm. Gave me a price, and I went down and picked it up. That's crazy because, I mean, it's just – I can't get over how big the kayak bass stuff has gotten. I mean, you know, even the guy – there's a guy on the Outdoor Channel or World Fishing Channel or yeah. whatever has that kayak bass and show. I mean, he's got a whole show. Yeah, it's it's growing, and it's still growing, which is crazy. It's And I wonder if it's still growing because the cost. That has a lot to do with it. Like just – fuel and everything else and new bass boats being a hundred thousand dollars and we're getting a lot of people that are coming from the boating world and every year there's i'd say 10 percent of people in tournaments are coming from the boating world just learning the kayak world and it's it's a different world really yeah and i mean we see the a lot of the pros that even fish the pro bass tour you know they you see when they post, oh, went and fished a kayak tournament this weekend or went and did that. And Yeah. I think it's starting to make a turn, though, definitely, for sure. It's, it's going to be in both worlds. I mean, Dustin, I know that you fish, you know, when you pre-fish, you fish out of a boat. Right. Just, just so you can cover water and then go hit it back with a kayak once you're right. out of the spot, right? And, and that, that's badass right there, too, you know, because you, you, you see different things, you know, from a kayak and from a boat, too, as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, so like, for... For the listeners, a tournament-ready bass boat, not a, not a bass boat, sorry, a tournament-ready kayak for bass tournament fishing, like you mentioned, Hobie, Jackson, uh, Old Town was the other one, you know, for one of those top two or three or four brand kayaks, I mean, what are you spending for a full, I mean, what does it cost to rig out a kayak? Same as a boat. It depends on your what electronics you want to run, uh, if you want to add a trolling motor to it. The kayak itself is going to range from $2,800 brand new to $4,500 brand new. And then a lot of guys, whenever they get a new kayak, they take all their electronics off of it to save money. And then they'll sell just the, the hole on the used market. So I guess realistically, if you were to spend the top end of that, if you were to spend $4,500 on a kayak, you're going to spend... I mean, all those trolling motors are probably what two thousand, just like they are for a bass yeah. boat, right? Eighteen hundred, two thousand dollars. Yes. So you now you're forty five. Now you're sixty five hundred, and then you know you put one nine inch or ten inch screen with a lithium battery in there too. I mean, you can you're going to get to ten twelve thousand pretty quick. Pretty quick. And there's a lot of I see a lot of Facebook posts about I got a kayak for sale and it's eleven thousand. I'm like, holy cow, we've gotten to that point. Whenever I started fishing it it was 
$500 was a lot of money for a kayak. Yeah. And it's just like everything else, price is going up. The quality of kayaks are getting better. The quality of electronics are getting better. People are adding trailers into the deals. The trailer is a game changer. Absolutely game changer. If you're still loading in the bed of a truck, you're just waiting for your back to go out. <laughs> my, my kayak fully loaded weighs 200, 300 pounds. Yeah, oh, shit. That's so, a lot. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking small time. I'm thinking like, you know, one of them 14 foot kayaks, you know. Or, just, yeah, like one of the 12 footers yeah. you see at Academy, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, those are, I have a couple of the lighter ones for the rivers and whatnot. I live 10 minutes from the San Marcos River. So I have a kayak dedicated for the river and I can throw it on my shoulder, walk down to the water if I want to. Most of the time I just drag it to the water and it's completely different than my tournament, tournament rig. Now, one of the things I do think matters that, you know, I think a lot of people don't understand is when you buy that 12 or 14 foot Pelican or whatever from Academy or whatnot, and then you get into something like you're talking about a Hobie, even when you're paddling it, because I know a lot of the Hobies have the foot drive now, or I've seen some of the ones even have like bicycle pedals in them so you can go fast, but the amount of effort it takes to paddle a kayak in a good kayak compared to a bad kayak is night and day difference, isn't it? Night and day. So like the amount of effort and force it takes to drive that kayak. Night and day difference. There's a guy at the Thursday nighters in on Decker. He has an old school sit inside kayak and he is faster than anyone else on the water because it tracks so well. And it's effortless. He's not even tired at the end of the night, I don't think. He can paddle for days. Wow. Endurance. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it really is. And my endurance has gone way downhill since I added that trail of mutters. <laughs> <laughs> I put it on high, and I get four miles per hour. Yeah. I mean, it's like being in a bass boat. I get 3.6 exactly. in mine on full, yeah. full blast, you know. And my battery, I've got a 100-amp lithium battery and it lasts all day it'll last a couple days if i don't have a charger um if i'm going to a tournament and i'm flying solo i'll take my son's trolling motor and battery as a backup just like a boater would with a spare yeah trolling motor trolling motor even a spare boat in some cases yeah yeah i imagine sometimes if you're going to a multi-day event or whatever it's easier just to throw the whole second kayak in the trailer just in case I've done that a couple times. Uh, I went to Livingston for a week and I didn't have enough spare parts to feel comfortable. So I threw an extra kayak and all the spare parts for both of them and went, ended up not needing them. I used, I ended up needing it for one day of pre-fishing whenever I left my seat or something at home, but I had a buddy bring it up to me. Oh, that's badass. Yeah, no, that's, that's what cool. friends are for. Exactly. <laughs> so, all right. So let's talk about the, let's talk about the tournament fishing a little bit. So, what are some of, I know you just mentioned you fish a Thursday night tournament at Decker, mm -hmm. which Decker, is that what it's called? Or does it have another name that some it's people call it? Walter E. Long. Lake. Walter E. Long. But that's up by Austin, yes, right? Sir. Correct. Kind so, of what? Is like, that a power plant lake? Yes, it is. Is it? But it's city of Austin uh, owned, so they don't, they're going wind and solar, so it doesn't get used that much. Okay. All right. All right. So what are some of the other leagues you fish as far as like, I mean, are they traveling circuits or kind of fishing? 
do you mainly stay? I know you just mentioned Livingston. That's all the way over in East Texas. So Correct. I fished uh, the Texas Kayak Bass League, and before this year it was Southeast Kayak Bass League. So I would travel down to Southeast Texas once a month and go fish whatever tournament was there. Now they have a Central Division and a Eastern Division, and I'm fishing them all this year, trying to. Damn, it's a lot of traveling, dude. It is. <laughs> yeah. It is. But so, like, for instance, the Texas Kayak Bass League, right? So what what does an entry fee cost to get into, like, one of those tournaments? I mean, how is it set up? How is it run? So the entry fee is, like, $72 or something. And then the big bass is $15. Total, you're looking at maybe ninety bucks. So, so if, for a hundred bucks, you can get into one of these Correct. pretty pretty easily. Correct. And if you want to not fish for the big bass and just do the other one, it's a little bit cheaper. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, nine times out of ten, if you don't, the one time you don't put mm. in for the big bass, you're going to catch the big bass. And it's, <laughs> yeah, it happened earlier this year. Somebody didn't put in, and they caught a monster. Oh, jeez. That's how it always runs, though. That's how it always that's, is. That's like, I remember being in California and they did like a, they did a whole bunch of side pots on the quarter day boats, like on the cattle boats going to Cat, Catalina for offshore. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't put it in, like sure enough, like it was a religion, like make sure you put it in there because the day you don't, that's when, that's when it's going to happen. Yeah, no, I, so, I, I was taught that real young when I got into tournament fishing. The guy that kind of showed me the ropes was like, you get in everything yeah. because the time you don't. It's going to happen. It's going to bite you in the butt. <laughs> and like you said, for 10 bucks or 15 bucks, you know, I mean, if you get lucky and win one a year, I mean, you're breaking even at that point. So you're not really losing money. Correct. Correct. Hmm. So going on to like how, how is the tournament ran? Like how is the tournament like series set up? So it's all through an app called Tourney X. You sign up through the app. It has uh check-in and check-out options. Some tournament directors don't require you to check in whenever you get on the water and check out when you get off the water. Some do. You catch a fish. You, I catch a fish, put it on what's called fish grips, hmm. throw it back in the water so that it's healthy and it's not out of the water. It's tied off to my kayak. I bring out my measuring board, which is a catch board and an uh, identifier that's released the night before to eliminate cheating you i pull the fish back in put it on the catch board put it in the bottom of my kayak with the identifier showing take a picture of it take a couple pictures of it double check my pictures make sure that the nose is up against the bump board tails as far back as i can get it and make sure the mouth's closed the identifier is in the picture and then i release the fish Damn. Right. And and the the so like an identifier, it can be whatever the tournament guy has. It might be a poker chip. It might be a whatever. I it's, mean, we have pre-printed um, identifier cards, and he gives out a code to write on the card. And each tournament, it's a different code, um, and it's usually whatever stop we're on. It'll usually have that number in it, and then a couple letters. Okay. okay. All right. So. And, of course, you mentioned a measuring board, so the kayak tournament is done on length, right? Correct. And is it still like a normal bass tournament, a five-fish stringer, a three-fish stringer? Or... Yes, it is. Uh, the Thursday nighter is three-fish, and then 
pretty much 99% of all the other tournaments are five fish, unless they're doing some crazy hourly big bass, then it's whatever you can catch the biggest one that day right. or that hour. That seems cool. Yeah, no, it seems real cool. It's just still weird, like having going to wait to inches. Oh, that's, it's, that's... It, it's super weird. <laughs> well, so I, I'm on both sides of it, and a 100-inch bass, a 100-inch stringer is like 25 pounds to 30 pounds, depending on how fat they are. Because you can go to, like, Bass Drop, for instance, catch a 19-inch fish, and it only weighs a pound and a half. Right. But you go to, let's say, Decker, you catch a 17-inch fish, it can weigh four pounds. My wife Jenna just caught one last week that was, like, 18 inches, and it might have been pushing five pounds. thing was fat. See? Footballs. Well, because I remember uh, Dustin hit me up for Canyon one day. And he was like, you know, hey, you know, have you been out there? I was like, yeah, I've been out there. I caught a couple of good ones. And uh, I guess he went out there the week after or something like that. And he's like, yeah, they're long. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of shitty, you know, like normally whatever. And he's like, no, I want them to be long because I'm in kayak tournament. And I was like, oh, I totally forgot about that. Was that when you took Gage and didn't let yeah. him net the fish? Yeah. Yeah. I know. You yeah. got to bring that shit up again? Yeah, yeah. dude. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, I, I go for length um, whenever I go in the boat. I'm, I'm still, I've got the kayak tournament in my head, and I'm like, that's an eight-pounder, but it's only 22 inches. I'm like, that should have been 24, 25. Yeah. And, you know, that that's probably what the hardest thing to get used to, especially me being a, you know, a boater in the tournament bass world. You know, when I look at the results from these kayak tournaments and stuff, I mean, I understand it like, hey, this guy had 110 inches. This guy had 98 inches. This guy, and I get it, but like in my mind, I'm still trying to compute like, okay, 100 inches. I'm thinking, all right, you know, a 18 inch fish weighs about the, you know, and, I, and I'm trying to do the math in my head. And I think that's where, you know, someone that isn't very versed in the kayak world, you know, it, it's hard for me to follow. Right. It is. And it's just as hard for somebody that is in a kayak. And they're like, oh, this guy caught 40 pounds of fish. How many inches was that? Yeah. That's the first question yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah, like, well, how long was your biggest fish? Yeah. At that point, it doesn't matter. No, no, no <laughs> You exactly. catch another 40, it doesn't so, matter. So, like, in a tournament, in a tournament uh, kayak tournament, a five-fish limit, what is a good stringer? Like, what? Like I know for us in the boating world, you know, any tournament we fish, yeah, I would say – like my mindset is I'm trying to fish for 20 pounds, you know, to me, 20 pounds or more is like, all right, I got a chance to win. I mean, what, what is it in the kayak world? Is it 90 inches, a hundred inches? What? So if you're above, I'd say 87, there's a good shot. You're going to be in the money. Okay. A couple of years ago I was going out and I was trying to catch a hundred inches every single time. I've yet to catch a hundred inches in a single tournament. So I don't know why I put that much pressure on myself. This last year, or two years ago, uh, I went out and I had the mentality of, I'm just going to catch my first fish and try to land five 18-inch fish. Because at the end of the day, that's 96 inches. Mm -hmm. If I can average 18 inches, it'll be a good day. And since I've done that, I catch a small one, let's say it's 15 inches. I'm like, all right, if I catch a 21-inch, which is reasonable... I'll be back at the 18 inch range. And whenever I did that, I won a tournament. Uh, one of my latest tournaments that I won 
was on Decker. And at like 10 o'clock, the tournament director came by me. He's like, you doing any good? I was like, man, I've got a limit, but it's small. And it was like maybe low 80s. And then 30 minutes later, I started catching bigger fish, bigger fish, bigger fish. And whenever I came in, I was at 98 inches. And he goes, man, you told me you, you weren't on them. It's like, I wasn't, but <laughs> they just turned on and they kept getting longer and longer and longer. And one of my buddies was a couple hundred yards away. He's like, man, you were hooting and hollering all day. I thought you were catching 25-inch fish. <laughs> but like, I was out there having a good time. Well, yeah. that's all that matters. So really, I guess for to dumb it down as much as possible for somebody like myself that doesn't kayak fish, realistically, if you start measuring all your fish on the board, whether you're in a kayak or you're in a boat, really, once you break that 80-inch, now you're starting to get somewhere. Like, now you're competing. Correct. So a lot of a lot of the tournaments, they'll have a 12-inch minimum. Since we're not taking the fish anywhere, you can have that 12-inch minimum. If you weigh in five... 12 inch fish, you're not anywhere close to the money. Mm. Somebody can have three 20 inch fish and they tie. Yeah. Uh, but it's a confidence booster to somebody. I got that's, a limit. Exactly. Somebody that's just now coming into the tournament scene, they can go out and catch five 13 inch fish and feel good about themselves having a limit. And then once you get the first one's the hardest one to catch. And the fifth one is the second part. Yeah. Once you start culling those 13-inch fish out, it gets a little bit easier and easier. Yeah, because like in the boat world where we keep the fish, you know, Texas Parks and Wildlife's a 14-inch. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 14, five 14 inches at 70 inches. So you're really not doing much with that. Correct. But you start culling those out and get to that 80 and then get to that 85, then it's that's where, it, all right, I got something now. It starts getting up there. The hardest thing is once you get to like the 17 inch range and you already have five in the, in the live well, uh, virtual live well, I guess. Yeah. You're like, man, is that a, is that a coal? And you take a picture and you don't know if it's coal or not, but you submit it anyway. And you, you're hoping that it is. That's the hard part because I don't have the fish to look at. I can go on the app, but when I'm fishing, I'm not looking at my phone. You're, right. you're just logging as many fish as you can. Right. And so there might be times you weigh a fish that doesn't help you. Yes. But like you there's, said, it might be close. I'm going to go ahead and take a picture. There's been a, several times where I caught a fish, measured it, took the five minutes it takes to do, go through the process and then come to find out it was a quarter inch short. I'm like, mm, that was fun. Now on the measuring board, how, uh, how precise do they get with measurements? Do they do it every quarter inch, every half inch, every, it's every quarter. And if that tail does not cross the, or if, excuse me, if that tail does not touch the next line, it's, uh, it goes back to whatever line it does. Okay. So, so if you have a fish that is 17 and seven eighths, because it doesn't touch the 18, you're going to get 17 and three quarters Correct. for that fish. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of rules, but once you start fishing it, it, it gets really easy. Just becomes second nature. Kind of like in a boat, you lift up a fish and oh, that's two pounds. It ain't going to help me. You kind of, you learn. Right. And whenever they're close, you measure it anyway, just like you would in a boat. Yeah. If you have a six pounder and you catch a five and a half and you're like, mm, is that close? I'm going to, I'm going to put it on the beam or put it on the scale. I'm going right. to check it. So that 
That app, it does it all for you? It does it all for you. Oh, no shit. Okay. And right. it didn't used to be that way. We, Whenever I first started fishing kayak tournaments, you would have a – most people would carry a digital camera with an SD card, mm-hmm. and then the tournament director would bring his laptop with whatever adapters he had, and you would take an adapter. If you had a weird SD card or if your camera didn't even have one, you would take whatever adapter – hook up to the computer and they would look at it then so weigh-ins would take gosh they would take forever back in the day it wouldn't be out of the ordinary to be there for five hours after you're done fishing fuck that i'm I'm sorry (laughs) and now now it's majority of the tournaments the leaderboard is visible until about noon one o'clock and then they shut the standings off to where you can't see it so it keeps the Surprise ending, yeah. so to speak. That makes sense. Um, and the the weigh-ins, once they start going through the awards, might take 30 minutes max. Oh, wow. Because, I mean, all that stuff's tabulated. Right. Really, by the time y'all get off the water, get the boats on the trailer, get the boat in the back of your truck, and get up to wherever the weigh-in is, they pretty much, they already know. So, majority of the tournaments, let's say the fishing ends at 3 o'clock. You're given a amount of time to get off the water, and then you're given an amount of time to submit your fish. So if you get off the water at 3, most of the time it's 4 o'clock that fish have to be submitted. And then the weigh-in starts at 4.30, 5 o'clock. Okay, I got a question about that. I'm going to lead into that as soon as we get back from our first break. Let's go ahead and take our first break, guys, and we'll be right back with Dustin Hicks. All right, so back for our second episode. This episode brought to you by A-Screen Graphics, Mikey G. He ain't here tonight, but we know he's here in spirit. So you said something before we got off the first episode about, like, whatever time you have to be off the water, 3 o'clock, whatever, you have till a certain amount of time to turn your fish in. So I've always wondered how that works because I know a lot of the lakes around Texas here, y'all are relying on an app. So, I mean, you, you might... You might be somewhere on Choke or somewhere on Amistad or East Texas, and you don't have service most of the day. There's a lot of times where I don't have service on a lot of the lakes that I'm fishing. There's spotty service at best, and there's sometimes where we fished Houston County earlier this year. I had great service, and other people, I have Verizon, other people with AT&T or Cricket or what have you didn't have service. So once we get all got back to the ramp, Houston County only has two ramps, and there was a hundred of us. People were like, "Hey, I don't have service." I turned on my hotspot and just let them use my hotspot. So that happens quite a bit. There are times where, if you know that you don't have service, it's up to you to get to either Wi-Fi or drive to the closest spot that you know that you have service. That's part of the pre-fishing is going down and seeing where. Where the closest service is. So that sucks. Yeah. That's uh, well, that's just like a, that's another layer that you've got to exactly. consider. Like you're worried about catching fish. Not only you got to worry about catching fish, but now you got to worry about cell service too. Yes. That's- now, now the app, let's say you're in an area that does not have service, right? Does the app still work like offline? Can you still take the pictures and stuff? Or do you just have to take the pictures and then? when you get to service, then you have to move the pictures over to the app. And so how does that work? I take all my pictures with the camera uh, app on my phone 
and not worry about the tournament app until later in the day. And I separate my fish with a picture of something random. So if I catch a 13 and a half and I take the pictures, I'll take a picture of my graph or something. And then if I catch a 14 inch, I know that in between those two fish, there's going to be a picture of something else. So, so, so that way you don't accidentally submit the same fish, submit twice. the same fish, fish twice. Yeah. And that's happened a few times and it gets corrected. But if the guy doesn't correct it, I mean, there's cheating and everything. Yes, yeah. very and much so. There's people that will catch a fish at seven o'clock in the morning when it's dark outside and then submit the same picture, same fish. At two o'clock in the afternoon. And say he just caught it. That's happened in the past. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but then like has has people have people been able not to even like have service at all and not be like, I want to know like if anybody got screwed over because they weren't like no service on their phone and they weren't able to submit nothing at all. I haven't heard of anyone complaining about that. Uh, there have been user error. One of my buddies, he would have won. The app has the where you can submit it to the leaderboard, hmm. and then you can submit it to like a virtual live well. Well, he accidentally clicked the virtual live well and submitted all of his fish to that and didn't submit it to the leaderboard, and he would have won by like six inches. And he wasn't around the way in very long. He hauled ass to his house. Yeah, he already knew. Yeah. That sucks, though. Well, because I was just wondering, like, you know, if you are in a spot where you don't have service, you know, so you're not able to, like, if you take all your pictures on the regular camera like you do on your fo- on your cell phone, so there is no going to the tournament director and saying, look, dude, I cannot upload these things, you know. Most tournament directors will be, will work with you. If you, if you don't have service and you know you're not going to have service, you can reach out to one of the Chris's that runs Texas Kayak Fastly, and they'll work with you on getting your stuff uploaded. Houston County, they accidentally shut off the, the submissions early, and they gave everyone an extra 30 minutes to submit their fish. So, like, the, a scenario that would come to my head would be, like, if I decided to go fish a kayak tournament, and I go out there, I take all my pictures like you're doing and everything, and then... I can't get the things to load to the app for whatever reason. If I come in early, like at two 30, you know, and go find Chris and say, Hey, look, dude, here's all my pictures. I am physically trying to load these things and it will not send them for the most part. Those guys are going to work with you and try to resolve the situation or something. Correct. With my phone, if I'm fishing choke, for instance, and I launch at the 99 bridge, I will lose service on, is that 72? That's going by Callahan? Yeah. Yeah. I'll lose service right there at the turn to Callahan. I won't get service until I get to the old Bud's location. So even the direction that I'm traveling affects my service sometimes. Mm. (laughs) That's crazy, though. Technology. It sucks. Not only that, so now you got to worry about service. You got to worry about losing your fish off the board, right? Now you got to worry about losing your fucking phone in the water. Because <laughs> I, I, that has to happen. Um, that has to happen. It, it's happened to my family this year. <laughs> so um, anybody that knows my wife 
knows that she will get in the water if she has to. And we were fishing at Fayette January, right after the, right after the new year. And we went out there on Friday to pre-fish. I'm fishing a point and she went a little bit further than I did. She went around the corner and I come around the corner and she's up to her belly button in the water. No shirt on, just her sports bra. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Why are you in the water? Because she throws big spoon baits. I thought maybe she broke one off. She was trying to find it. Yeah. She dropped her phone in the water. <laughs> Day before uh, the tournament. So then she doesn't have a way to submit her fish. So we had to run back in the uh, bass drop to Verizon, buy a new phone so that she could fish the tournament the next day. Did she win? No. Did she place? No. Oh, That would have been a story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she does her fair share of winning yeah. and placing. And it's, a, it's very competitive in our household. It very, seems like it. It seems like it. Man. Very competitive. And there's no such thing as fun fishing. I've I'm not doing that anymore. We went, her and I went on a date and we went to a lake and she's like, we're just film fishing. And she started catching fish. And then an hour and a half, two hours later, she's like, that's seven to zero. I'm like, what happened to just fun fishing? <laughs> <laughs> always keeping tabs. That's always, what it is, man. Always keeping tabs. <laughs> so I know in the uh, national spotlight, there's a couple of big tours like Hobie does one and then uh, Bassmaster does one, right? Yeah. So what's the biggest tour, I guess, here in Texas? It's going to be Texas Kayak Bass League. Really? It covers the most geographically. Uh, there's a couple smaller, I wouldn't say smaller, in North Texas, but a lot of people from down here aren't traveling north. People from Dallas will travel south to fish the Texas Kayak Bass League. The national tours... They come into Texas and for like maybe one event, one event, Hobie, their, their season this year is pretty much Eastern United States. Rayburn was the furthest West. It'll be in September and that's not even that far West. So people that are like in California that fished it last year, they're traveling 24 hours, one, one way mm. to fish the tournaments. Wasn't it in Clear Lake, right? There, was it Clear Lake or something like that? I'm there, sure. there hasn't been anything west of Texas in a while hmm. for Hobie. So, but in those tournaments, you have to fish the whole tour, right? You can fish one or two. So like, so like for instance, when Hobie comes to Rayburn, you could go fish it. So Texas Kikes Bass League is hosting the tournament the same day as Rayburn, and you can double dip for both tournaments. Last year they did it. Uh, Hobie sold out in like 15 minutes for 250 entries. And at that point, I'm like, I'm not doing that. I didn't go to it last year. I went to, I took my middle son the year before when they were at Rayburn and he fished that tournament. So they, you, when you mean double dip, both, I guess they will let you submit your fish to both tournaments. Correct. Well, that's kind of cool. You don't see that much in the boater world. I mean, oh, I, I mean, we see it on the club level. Like I've noticed, like a lead a couple of times. If, if, let's just for example, if if Lunker Hunters and a lead is having a tournament on the same day or something like that, you know, you go, you fish the Lunker Hunters. They'll let you submit your, you know, way slip to 
the elite tournament also because to me that just gets you more more entries yeah correct it does and the hobie they cap out at 250 like i said the texas kayaks Ashley, they don't have a cap or they didn't have a cap i don't know about this year if there's going to be a cap or not but in years past they haven't capped it the only problem with that is the hobie you can't use a trolling motor so i'm going to be pedaling my big heavy kayak uh, it's going to go on a diet and <laughs> i'm going to shed some weight out as much weight as i can out of it to make it easier on my body i'm prior to two thursdays ago i can't tell you the last time i pedaled that kayak <laughs> and it's heavy like how many rods are you going to take like i would see it maybe four or five like i'm taking 11. see like what the hell where do you even put 11 That's rods in a kayak so everyone has uh, adapted to using a milk crate there's a yak attack box that yeah i think will had a couple has them here in the shop here yes he does you attach rod holders to that the three holder uh, three rod holder that academy sells for like 20 bucks mm. a couple zip ties attached to the side of your milk crate. so you can put one on each side and there's 12 rods correct and my hobie has three rod holders on both sides in the cockpit area where you can double up so you can take I, I know some people take like 24 rods there's some people in kayaks that have more rods in the kayak than a normal weekender bass boat has that where do you put them at like how long are these fucking kayaks dude so, i would be so hung up oh, dude, oh. I'd, I'd pick up that first crankbait and i'd be clunk clunk i'd be yeah. flinging rods out in the water so uh I, I just stick to my milk crate. I have nine rod holders on my milk crate. It has four that are integrated into it already. But anything more than that, I'm done. And Jen and I fished the Monday nighter on Bass Drop uh, Monday. And we came into this cove and I was like, which way on the bank do you want to go? She's like, it doesn't matter. I was like, it matters to me if I'm on the trolling motor because I can't cast over the driver's side of the boat. Hmm. And she looked at me funny. She didn't understand. I'm so used to casting off the kayak that I cast sidearm. I, I don't even know if I can cast overhand anymore because if I cast overhand, I'm catching rod. rods. Yep. That's exactly right. She looked at me funny and she's like, I'll take over the trolling motor. Hmm. And we went down this bank and whenever we turned around, I was like, I can take over now. <laughs> We're on the passenger side. I'm good. That's Man. just insane to me, dude. Because when I think, I'm not going to lie, Kayaks. Have you been to uh, Ladybird downtown Austin? I've been by you know, it. You know those freaking the rowboats for uh, UT. Yeah, that's what I think, dude. Just like <laughs> the, the, the the teams that row. Yeah. My kayak is a, a Hobie 14, so it's 14 feet. Huh. Jenna's is a 12 footer, and then Tyler, our middle son, he uses a 13 foot Old Town, and Ryan has a Diablo, which is like 12 feet, maybe. Hmm. So the longest one is typically going to be about 14. So if you could pick, what is your fishing out of a kayak? What what What's your style? What do you like to do? I'm throwing crankbaits. You, you're, you're a moving bait guy. I'm throwing crankbaits. I'm from one spectrum to the other. I'm either throwing a crankbait or I'm throwing a drop shot. And it's been working. And... The crankbait bite for me this year is if I'm 
reeling as fast as I can, I'm not reeling fast enough, mm. which is crazy. Even in this heat, we fished Monday night and Jen was like, hey, you're reeling kind of fast. And then two casts later, I hook into one. It's been unbelievable this year. Can't move it fast enough. Can't move it fast enough. So you seem, just based off the little bit I've talked to you, you've seemed pretty modest. But I'm going to ask you, what's the biggest kayak tournament you've won? Biggest kayak tournament I've won, there was 50, 60 anglers. Really? Maybe 50, 60. Is that normal turnout for like one of the Texas kayak bass leagues? or Not this year. No? This year it's been over 100 at every single event. And that's crazy because if you fit, you said how much is it? 72 bucks? So if you got a hundred boats, that's seventy two hundred dollars in the pot. Yes. And I know. So I mean, you go if you go to a kayak tournament and cash an, cash an eight hundred or a thousand dollar check, you're you're making money. It's not like in a bass boat where it took you two hundred and fifty dollars to get there. Yeah. So I, I won third place in uh, Texas Kayaks Bass Leagues tournament on Ladybird this year. Hmm. Ladybird's five minutes from my office, so. Uh, few Fridays before the tournament, I'd work a half day, go pre-fish either in the morning or in the afternoon and get a pattern going. And the tournament day, my pattern held up. The only problem with it was the bent rod chasers. I'd catch a fish and then within two casts, there would be two kayaks on me. Mm -hmm. And it blew my spot out. But had I not had those people come in on me, I'd have probably done a little bit better. One one guy came in, and he was really nice about it. He was like, hey, man, do you mind if I fish behind you? I said, like, go for it. You're, you're throwing the jig. I'm not even worried about you throwing that jig. You're not throwing anything close to what I'm throwing. Hmm. And he catches like a 20-inch fish. <laughs> and my smallest fish was like 14, 15 at the time. I was like. You're going slow behind that crankbait. Yeah. <laughs> I was firing him up, and he was catching them. And he ended up catching like three or four behind me. And at that point, I'm like. Maybe I should slow down and pick up a jig or pick up a drop shot. And I tried for five or six casts. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't do this. Not today. Yeah. <laughs> so Dude. what do you, you know, I, and I, we didn't get into this earlier, but you mentioned your office. So you work in the Austin area. I take it. What do you do for a living besides kayak fish? Yeah. I wish I kayak fish for a living. I, uh, I test electrical safety equipment for guys that work on the high lines. Oh, they, nice. They wear gloves. Uh, sleeves. They have a bunch of equipment that goes over the power lines to protect them. And I'm responsible for making sure that they're in compliance. Power strips on steroids, surge protectors. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool, man. That's awesome. I I see those guys up on those poles sometime and I'm going, holy cow. Yeah. It's, they're a different breed. <laughs> uh, my brother-in-law is a lineman, and he asked me if I wanted to climb a pole one time. I was like, nope. Yeah. I was in the elevator trade before this. I do not like heights. I'm good on the ground. You, you were in the elevator trade? Yes, sir. That's my tournament bass partner works for Kone. Hmm. He's been an elevator guy for 25 years. That's what he does. I watched three guys fall down the elevator shaft, and that was it. I'm mm-hmm. done. I'm going I'm to stay on the ground. Yes. That sounds like me. <laughs> I want to get on roller coasters, dude. I won't either. Mm. I'm not a big roller coaster junkie either. I don't know. I don't mind going 70 miles an hour on the water, though. See, that's that's a thing, though, right? So, yes. Uh, roller coasters all day long, heights, 
gets on roofs. I want to. I spent three hundred dollars on a freaking uh, Christmas light pole so I can hang this shit up because I won't got my roof. Right. So all about she's all about heights, roller coasters, and shit. But she hates being on the boat when it's going fast. And I'm all for it, dude. Cruising around the lake 35. Oh, 35, everywhere. right? ZX 250, 30 miles an hour. <laughs> Should have just kept the tracker, right? <laughs> our, our fastest boat goes 59.6. It's a Ranger. I don't even know the model. It's old with an Evernote 150 on it. We bought it for the kids when my oldest turned 16. And we took it to, I think, Placid to try it out the day we bought it. And I told Jenna, I was like, hey, Hop in the driver's seat, hammer down, let's go. She hammers down, we get on plane, and she starts backing off to where we're, like, not even on plane anymore. She's like, that's too fast. Her, her boat is a Skeeter 17-foot with a 40. It runs 31 miles an hour, and that 31 miles an hour is fast enough for her. Hey, you know. And that thing, when the kids aren't fishing out of it, hmm. we can use a tank of gas for like seven or eight fishing trips. It's, it's got like a 25-gallon tank on it. Oh, shit. It's massive. That's the one thing I miss about the tracker, man, the four-stroke. It just sip gas, like 20 bucks would last me a few trips. No issues with it. The Evinrude laughs at 20 bucks. Yeah. See? It, it just, what are you teasing me with? Well, that I mean, that's the cool part, though. So, like, break down, like, how, how do you step into a pre-fishing trip? Like, I... I know you've gone to Amistad before. So when you go to pre-fish, are you going down like months before with the boat? So uh, if it's a long tournament or if it's a long tournament trail, I usually don't pre-fish until the tournament before ends. Okay. So that's sometimes three weeks, sometimes a month. The break right now is like six months because it's not till September. I'll start going maybe a month in advance. Depending on how far it is, I might go the weekend before and just take the boat, take a kid, and we'll go. I usually take my middle son because he fishes similar to me, and we'll hop scotch around the lake wherever. Most of the time, I treat it just like her boat's not much bigger than my kayak, Mm. so I usually take her boat. Uh, It fishes the same in the wind as my kayak if it's windy as can be. I got to be protected Mm. in the ranger. I can be in a little bit rougher water, but I'll go and find a ramp in a section of the lake. I'll launch your boat from there. I'll fish that area. And then if I want to change from like the north to the south, I'll put the boat back on the trailer, drive the truck just like a wood with kayak Mm. and go fish that area. I was curious. That was going to be my next question. So, you know, take a big lake like choke, or Amistad. I, mean, I know Choke's not that big right now, as low as it is, but it's still big when you're in a kayak. So you do all your pre-fishing and everything, and then all of a sudden tournament day comes, and they're forecasting, you know, 15 to 20 or something. You know, how does that go into your game planning? And at that point, do you just, okay, hey, it's going to be a south wind, so I want to stay on the south side of the lake, and do you, or do you, you know, just how, how does that change your 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 plan, your game plan? So Canyon this year was in March, uh, I believe. I went in knowing that we were probably going to have a south wind, a wind out of the south. So I wanted to fish the south end of the or the south side of the lake. So I launched 
pre-fission everything out of ramp six and found a spot not far from the ramp, fished it, got on them. And I've never caught more than prior to this day in practice. I never caught more than like three or four fish on Canyon in a single day. And I caught like 30. I was like, holy cow, I'm on them. Like, and I was telling this to Will earlier, I was like, there's not very many days on Canyon where you, where I'm on them. So I'm going to catch as many as I can. Tournament day, I go to the same spot. There's like six other kayaks there and we're fishing. And then that wind shifted from the south to out of the north. My spot was blown out. So I loaded up and I went to the other side of the lake. Most of the time I'm looking at where the wind is going to be, where it's supposed to be coming from. And then if the weather's changing, I I have a plan A, plan B, and sometimes plan C of where I want to fish and how I want to fish. Based on the wind direction. Based on the wind direction. So what what constitutes too much wind in a kayak? It There's a lot of times where if I get to the water and I don't feel good, I'm, I'm not putting the kayak in the water. There's been times where we went to Falcon two years ago, Labor Day, and I got peer pressured into going out. I shouldn't have gone out, but one of my buddies was like, hey, we didn't drive six hours to sit in the cabin. Mm -hmm. So we went out and we stayed close to the shore, except for one part where we had to put, we had to cross the uh, state park cove. Mm -hmm. That was the only time we were in decent sized waves. Decent sized wave on a kayak is anything over a foot and a half, two feet. Anything over that is coming over the side of my kayak. And I don't like that at all. No, uh, it it drains out, but you catch a good wave and it changes your mindset really fast. The uh, That day, the wind was sustained like 25, 30 miles an hour with wind gusts. Who knows how fast. That day I lost the most stuff I've lost in a long time on the water. I lost my net. It was sitting on the front of my kayak. Wave came over and... It was gone. Um, I lost a rod. I lost a, pair, a couple pairs of pliers that day. And like after that, if it's 20, 25 miles an hour, I'm staying home. So you got to be smart about it. Absolutely. So really, if you, I mean, if you watch the forecast and you get to the lake and it's a eight to ten or eight to twelve or less, I mean, that's you're going. Going. And if I'm not fishing a tournament. I'm just going out to fish. I live in San Marcos, so I've got six lakes within an hour and a half of the house, two hours for sure. I can find somewhere that the wind's not howling. Bastrop, if it's blowing straight out of the north, I can go to Bastrop and get out of the wind and still have a good day of fishing and not have to worry about flipping or anything like that. Yeah. But there's times where... Even on tournament day, I'm, I'm, I, I wait till at least Wednesday before the tournament. Even if I already have a campsite, I'm not registering until that Wednesday so that I can be sure that the wind's not going to be crazy because hmm. I'm not that mad at them. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the safety thing. Right. You know, that's what we were talking about, the safety thing a couple of weeks ago. I mean, because y'all are not – I say y'all. I'm part of Elite too, but I didn't fish it. But – the tournament that they just had at Choke 
last month, they had a kayak tournament the right. same day. And just Mikey G was talking about, you know, you got, and then I think another bass club had a tournament there. Mm-hmm. So you got 20 or 30 bass boats running around. You got 75 kayaks on the water. Everybody's kind of fighting for position. And then, you know, I don't know about you. Like I, I talk, I use myself as an example all the time because I laugh because I fish down at the coast a lot too. Um, you know, I guide down there in the summers and stuff and, man, I was laughing. I wasn't laughing, but I was talking about one, one morning we got out early and these guys took the boat and they were wade fishing. Yeah. Dude, it wasn't even light yet. And these guys are out of the boat on this flat and dude, I bet I drove within 20 or 30 yards of one of them. And I'm sitting here thinking one, how is that legal? Like I, I use the reference all the time. I'm like, when you go hunt on public land, when you go deer hunt on public land, you got to wear some kind of orange or some kind of light or something. Yeah. The kayak, the same thing. I'm sitting here thinking a lot of these kayaks don't have lights. I know some of them do. So, but they're, you know, re- they're required to have a light uh, that shines 360 degrees. At least like the anchor light, the white light. Correct. And then it's a gray area on the red and green if you have a trolling motor. Some people say that you're supposed to have them. Some people say that you're not supposed to have them. The language on Texas Parks and Wildlife is there's too many gray areas on it. But you are required to have a white light. And Texas Kite Bass League this year implemented, not only do you have to have a white light, but it has to be when you're sitting down pedaling or paddling, it has to be over your head. So it's a true 360 degrees. I have a regular, I've outfitted my kayak to have the receptacle for a bass boat. Mm-hmm. And I've got a switch to where it's at the back of my boat. And I flip a switch, it turns on. Flip a switch, it turns off. I was fishing a tournament on Somerville. And a guy comes up and talks to one of my buddies. And he's like, hey, I can't see either one of y'all. Well, it's so foggy. He couldn't see us even if we were 20 feet away from him. And after that, I changed my light to an even taller one. So now I'm guaranteed to be legal in their rules. But it was, it was one of those gray areas, but uh, it all worked out in the end. Well, that's good because, I mean, that's what I'd be worried about. You know, you got some guy running 70 miles an hour in a bass boat it's dark or getting light and he's just looking down at his GPS going. And I mean, it's, it's scary. There's no worse feeling than being in a kayak and at night or in the dark and you hear a boat start up and you, you know, it's coming for you. You just hoping that it's paying attention. Yeah. I wear a headlamp. My first line of defense is my 360 light. Second line of defense is my Milwaukee headlamp. I turn it on the brightest setting, and I'll put my hand in front of it, wave in front of it. And, and kind of be looking at the direction you know the boat's coming from. Yep, so that they see me and they know that there's somebody there. Well, that's interesting. Well, we're going to go ahead and take our second break here, and we're going to get back on with Dustin, and we're going to wrap this thing up. All right, back again, back again for our third segment here. So before we break in the last one, let's kind of recap a little bit. We were talking about safety and stuff. <laughs> You told us a story off air that was the main reason why I asked about that. I'm curious, what are the rules and regulations in kayak fishing as far as like the life jacket? So it's just like a boat. You have to have 
a life jacket per body on the on the kayak. It doesn't have to be on you. It just has to be on the kayak or in the kayak. If you're fishing the tournament, it has to be on at all times. So inflatable life jackets are lifesavers in, yes. in the kayak world. Because if not, y'all, you'd have to be wearing that big bulky vest. and. So it's 75, 25, I would say. 25% of us are using inflatables. And then 75 are using the big bulky ones because they have pockets for different stuff. A lot of them have a tether for your phone, uh, tether for your pliers, whatever you need. Um, but I, I prefer the inflatable because it's small and compact. Uh, yeah. I have a fanny pack style, uh, and it, I've never pulled the cord because I don't know if I can get it to roll back up and get into that <laughs> pouch. But we also have the over the shoulder style and those were our lifesavers because like you said, it's a thin two inches instead of yeah the big bulky. I can't, I'm, I'm a bigger guy, so I can't deal with it. No, no, me neither. Good thing you were already married when you bought the fanny pack. My wife would look at me if I was walking around in that thing. <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't tell this story, but I, I've been known to fish in a speedo. Hey, come on, <laughs> come on, and and the fanny pack. No, not in the oh, fanny. Uh. <laughs> but a buddy of mine and I went out to a lake, and we pulled into this cove. And I knew that the fish were biting in this cove. And I told him, I was like, hey, we're going to start fishing this in the open part, in the mouth of it. And pretty soon, these boats are going to start hauling ass out of here because the tournament's about to be over. There was no tournament going on. And I knew that going into this cove. And I told him, I was like, hey, we just passed the brush pile. It's right underneath the motor. So I'm going to use a trolling motor, get us a little bit further, cast right over the motor. So he's back there casting, and as he's casting, I'm stripping down into my Speedo, and a really good friend of mine, and not even two minutes later, boat after boat starts leaving this cove, and we start, he's like, man, you're right, you're right, and he turns around and goes, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> we had the whole cove to ourselves, and we started catching fish left and right. Hey, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. You will not... You'd be surprised at how, if you're fishing in a speedo, the boat next to you can be the straightest dudes in the world. They're hauling ass out. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, we talk about funny things like that. I tell the guides at the coast all the time. I'm like, man, if you ever find a spot and you want to keep it to yourself, just go to the back and take the cow off the motor because ain't nobody going to come over there and yeah. help you. <laughs> yep, that's true too. Y'all want to hear a funny story. All right, let's hear it. Funny story. All right. Not fishing related at all. <laughs> Speaking of, okay. Anyways, you so, have a speedo? No, back when I was repoing cars. Okay, I was with my dad one day. We already repoed this family like six or seven times. Holy cow! Okay, so we already knew what they were about. What I didn't know is though, the son was swinging for the other team. Okay, my dad. Uh, as soon as we get there, we hook up to the suburban. Kid comes out. The RO comes out, jumps on the bed of the truck. Well, like on top of the Suburban, right? Starts yelling, hooting, hollering. Gets inside of it. Tries driving off the truck. And now it's all the way in the air. Like he ain't going to come off anyways. So, long story short, mom and my dad start going at it. Kid comes out. You don't talk to my mom like that. 
my dad gets in his face and it's mutual. And he's like, you know, don't point your finger at me effing like, and, uh, he was like, well, guess what? I am gay. I like, I, that's ridiculous. That's like homophobic. I'm calling the cops. I'm like all this stuff. Right. My head switches to, we're about to have a lawsuit (laughs) at the time. It's me and my dad's company. Okay. So to save a lawsuit, I go up to the mom. Hey, my dad's an asshole. I know when it comes out of this stuff, he's, you know, it's hard for him, but I know he's not homophobic. I'm gay. Okay. After I said that though, mom, the son, calm as can be, let us take the truck. Okay. And so my dad, you know, he's like, what? Like, how did the shit change? And he didn't, he doesn't know this shit because I pulled the mom aside. So I get in the truck and I, he's like, what happened? Like, I don't know, like how this shit just got calmed down out of fucking nowhere. And I told him, I was like, hey, I had to tell him I was gay, but now we're off the hook. So we're good. And they chilled out. We got the damn truck. Okay. And he looked at me and he's like, are you, fucking- <laughs> are you kidding me right now? And I said, hey. Sometimes you got to say what you got to say to get out of situations. You okay? got that right. So, just a little fun story. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Jenna actually bought me the Speedo as a gag gift, thinking I would never wear it. And backfired. Backfired. <laughs> yeah. I, wear, I wear it all the time now. Hey, so, quick, now that we're talking about non fishing stories, but my mother in law and father in law, this was years ago, probably 15 years ago. My mother in law asked my father in law, hey, Mike, what do you want for your birthday? And he looked at her and goes, well, I wouldn't mind a little ass, you know? So about three days later when his birthday shows up, she shows, she backs a trailer in there with a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, and he goes, what the hell is this? He goes, you said you wanted a little ass for your birthday. We still got that donkey. <laughs> oh, my. The donkey on the property? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, it's crazy. All right, let's get back to fishing. All right, yeah, yeah, sorry. A little bit bit of a detour, (laughs) detour. But, uh, man, so you said your next tournaments. uh, Y'all don't fish a lot in the summertime? There's a couple jackpots here and there, but there's not very many trails that. Like the night tournaments, the Monday nighters, Thursday nighters, stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah, but how many, you guys fish, the whole family, you guys all fish a lot. How many many tournaments do you guys think you fish a week? Hmm. That's tough. Okay, let's say a month. How about that? So I know three, four years ago, before our oldest got into high school, we, between Jenna and I, we fished something like 75. We paid for 75 entries for tournaments in one calendar year. Hmm. So that was a lot. We've scaled back quite a bit. Uh, We probably fish maybe 20 tournaments a year now, Hmm. maybe 30, depending on how many entry fees we're paying because in the kayak world, yes, me and my son are going, but that counts as two entries Hmm. instead of if we were in the boat, it would be one entry. So there is a flip side of yes, kayaks are cheaper, but when you start paying three or four entry fees at $75 a pop, it gets expensive quick. And you know, people buy what they drive, what they boats and trucks. And whenever we pull into the parking lot, we get out of the truck and you can hear people yelling, hey, the Hickses are here. And there's some people that are happy to see us. And then there's some people that aren't happy to see us. (laughs) 
And with Jenna, she's most of the time she's the only female at any tournament. And I could have won three tournaments in a row. Haven't done that, but could have. And they'll be like, hey, where's Jenna? I'm like, dude, I'm right here. Like, you can talk to me. No, where's Jenna? Is she fishing? <laughs> I'm more worried about Jenna fishing. The, I mean, I give it to her, though. She's like an actual angler. You know, she's not trying to sell ass or anything like that. Like, that's what I respect. No clickbait. No, hell no, dude. Like, right. she, she's a stick, dude. Like, yeah. She yeah. she runs an all-women's Facebook group called Bass Girls. And she started it because she would post a picture and somebody in the comments would be like, hey, where's the bikini? And she's not about that. Yeah. She's raising three boys. She doesn't want our sons to think women are a piece of meat. Yeah, just a visual object. Right. And, you know, I don't know her. I've never met her in my life. But I think that's kind of why I'm drawn to the like that Christine Fisher girl. You know, I mean, she posts and she from... Like I said, I don't know her personally, but people like that I respect. I mean, she's, I've never seen a picture of one of her in a bathing suit. She just likes to fish. Yeah. And I take it, I've never met your wife, but from what it sounds like, that's, your wife's there for the fishing and for the fishing. Yep. That's it. That's all there is to it. Yeah. And she's funny. She's really funny, especially if she gets a Dos Equis in her hand. (laughs) (laughs) Watch out. But you know, that's good because, you know, I feel like that's where fishing is kind of taking a turn, you know, with all the, like you talk about clickbait and, you know, you see these girls standing there in a bikini holding a eight pound bass or whatever. And it's like, you know, okay. Did she even catch it? Yeah. Did she even catch it or is she just using it to sell bait? I, I don't really know. But when you, when you find a, a hardcore fisher woman, I mean, that's, that's awesome. I like that. It's, it's awesome in a sense that, yeah, we can go out and have a date night on the water. Like I was telling Will earlier, she's buying swim baits that are, I don't even want to know how much. And I'm over here buying three or four crankbaits. I'm like, mm, do I really want that third one? Or can I just buy, get away with two? And she'll swipe the card for swim bait, like no problem. Well, how many <laughs> sli- how many sly guys does she got? Uh, I don't even know. Yeah. She's on uh That's like a, that's like a what, $200, $200 bait? Yeah. Easy? Yeah, it's... That's, I mean, she's, she, I think she's known. I mean, she's were, known. Yeah. In, she's in swim bait universe. I think she's known. She's known as the four by four queen. Mm-hmm. And we went to the, uh, Bassmaster classic when it was in Fort Worth mm-hmm. and they custom painted one just for her. Like pink. That is cool. Yeah. And they were so excited whenever she, she walked in, no sponsors, no nothing. She's got two sponsors, me and my mowing company. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. She's she's sponsored by HIPAA, my hip pocket. Yeah, yeah. We, but, but, we had jerseys made for our boys whenever they were fishing a lot of tournaments that said uh, sponsored by mom and dad on the back. But, you know, like, you know, just back to the women thing, I have a lot of respect for that because my wife is kind of the same way. She doesn't bass fish with me, but she loves fishing at the coast. So when I guide at the coast down in the summertime, you know, a lot of times we'll put the boat on the water to go pre-fish or scout for a trip that I've got coming up. And, you know, here we are. Th- I'm thinking, well, we're just going to go out. We're going to relax. We're going to fish. And we pull up to a spot and 10 minutes later, she's like, uh, we need to go. We need to find some fish. <laughs> like, and, and she's into it. And it, uh, I, I really enjoy that. It, it is an awesome time on the water. Yeah. 90% of the time. But And they keep count. Oh, every, every time. Yeah. Every single time. And like Monday, we 
we were fishing the tournament and I was like, Hey, we've been fishing shallow for like two and a half hours. We've got three bites. Maybe we should fish a little bit deeper. And she looks back at me and she's like, we are deep enough. We were in water where the grass was like six inches below the water line. Hmm. Like the deepest crankbait I have tied on right now dives to three feet, maybe if I'm cranking hard, we're not deep at all. We need to go out a little bit deeper. We went out maybe 10 minutes, maybe not even that long. She's like, they're not out here. Let's go back shallow. <laughs> <laughs> and we went back and she started flipping her swim bait into the reeds at Bass Trap. Yeah. That's a, that's a nice lake. That, I've never that, been there. That launch ramp just scares the shit out of me, though, because it's so steep. North Shore is a lot better than South Shore. Oh, really? See, that's... But it's a slot lake, right? Correct. Yeah. So I guess that's why I've never been there, because they really don't have boat tournaments out there that much. No. And they... You can catch a 19-inch fish, and it might weigh two pounds. Long and skinny. Long and skinny. What about Fayette, though? Because I've been out there. I like Fayette. I've been out there once, and I, I fell in love with it, dude. I'm not going to lie. Fayette's a nice lake. Yeah. You know, I, I haven't been to Fayette in a long time. We used to go a lot. I mean, we're talking 10, 12 years ago. A buddy of mine, Kevin, and I used to go out there all the time, and we would always go in February. He and I were both single, so we just fished a lot, and we didn't have girlfriends, and so we would go Valentine's Day weekend. But back then, Fayette was a power plant lake, and, man, the, all the, the grass, the reeds and stuff, we used to go flip the reeds, and it was fire back then but the i don't think they have as much of that stuff in that lake anymore as they used to has the did they drop the water or something but so the company i work for runs the power plant and or runs half of the power plant they have to have it at a certain level for the power plant to be active in february in the january early february is when the plant shuts down so they'll drop the lake a little bit but not enough to kill off anything. They they had to spray something or well. So what was weird about it was it just seemed like it didn't it didn't seem like it killed it off. But it seemed like one year we showed up to go do our annual trip, and we couldn't even get the boat close enough. Like yeah. it was too shallow. Like we couldn't get up to where we wanted to go to go. Fl I mean the reeds and grass and stuff was still there, but it was just it something just seemed different. But like I said, I haven't been there in probably, gosh, eight or nine years. It's been a long time. I think it's a confidence lake for yeah. sure because it's, it's what, like all fours and fives pretty much. You catch a lot of them. And it's but. high on the kayak bass trails. There's at least two or three tournaments a year on Fayette. Hmm. And each time there's at least 100 people entering, depending on the trail. There's a small tournament out there. There's like 65, 70 people. Wow, that's and that's not far. Trail. And that's not far from where y'all live in San Marcos. What is it, about hour and fifteen, hour and twenty minutes? I can be with the stop at Bucky's. I can be there in an hour and a half. That's perfect. Yeah, you and that's stop. twenty minutes in Bucky's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could probably make it in an hour and fifteen, but you can't pass the Bucky's. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Get you some of them beaver nuggets. Yeah. Beef jerky, fresh. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, Dustin, man, it was great having you on, dude. It was really cool talking to somebody that is, you know, that serious in the kayak game the way you are. And, man, I'd love to have you on, especially this fall once the tournament started again. I'd love to have you back on and kind of get a recap, kind of see what, what's happening. Or, you know, naturally, if you have any other friends or anything that fish the Texas kayak stuff with you or whatever, I'd 
love to get them all together and have a powwow and see what you know that'd be cool to do like a round table yeah like yeah. a round table with some kayak guys i definitely because i think there's so many of us in the boat world that just like like myself i mean i i, I kind of watch it a little bit but now that talking to you i'm gonna probably notice more things like when i look at results and see oh man this guy had over 90 inches now i know that's good you know yeah. it's it's gonna change my perspective on the way yeah. i look at it for sure Thanks for having me. It was it was a blast. Oh, definitely. That's right. We'll have to get your wife on. Uh, it, it will be a blast. <laughs> I'll make sure we bring Dos Equis. <laughs> she, hey, she might be able to do a part of the, the wife. Uh, yes, the, the wife, wife roundtable. Yeah. So one more story before we get out of here. Oh, yeah. We uh, we had a tournament on Bass Drop, and it was for Southeast Kayak Bass League before they switched names. And the night before we go to HB, she grabs – a case of Dos Equis bottles. She only drinks out of bottles. She grabs the baby ones, not the 12 ounces. The eight ounce ones? The eight ounce ones. And she's drinking them. They're going down fast because they're always cold because yeah. they're so small. Doesn't realize how many she's had. The next morning we wake up and I'm at the time I was driving 2011 Suburban. Had an exhaust. Awesome vehicle. We're driving. She reclines her seat back. She's trying to go back to sleep. And she sits up. She goes, will you shift this damn car and stop <laughs> driving where it's loud? And I was like, yeah, let me shift this automatic transmission real quick. <laughs> we get to the boat ramp. And this was back before they did uh, virtual captain's meetings. And the tournament director's calling out the code. And the guy standing next to her is laughing so much that he writes down the wrong code. Has the winning limit with the wrong code realizes that he has the wrong code switches and gets like third or fourth so he would have won that tournament twice and she's just listening to the flow masters roll the whole oh, way the whole way <laughs> she used some choice language yes i'm like yep well, let me just shift it real quick hang on <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that is crazy. Well, Dustin, thank you again, man. And thanks, everybody, for listening again. Flipping Matt's Wade and Flats. If you get a chance, come by and see Will at Fish Tackle Marine over here in Austin Highway. A-Screen Graphics and Last Call Guide Service help you out with whatever you need. Till next time, guys. <laughs>